0: throughout the season as I just told you we will be looking to the psalmist these words in some ways sound old to us but I want to invite you to hear them with your ears with your situation listen to the words of the psalmist who speak the words of an ancient people that they might speak our own cry to God today and throughout this season give ear to O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us like the scorn, you make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Dan just asked, do you feel the presence of God or does it feel like God has abandoned us? This is the question of the psalmist. Do our prayers feel like God is angry with us, that God has turned back to our prayers? Our neighbors are laughing at us for praying to God. The psalmist speaks a word that many people today still hear and still feel. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You have heard the ancient story. Let us listen now for the word of the Lord. My sermon today is entitled, Eight Degrees to Peace. Our younger son, Bennett, it's strange for me to have to introduce our children to you, but so many folks now don't know our children. Our younger son, Bennett, is a fanatic about his trumpet playing. And because music is also a year-round sport, Bennett spent three summers traveling and performing with Spirit of Atlanta drum and bugle corps. It's difficult to explain the world of DCI to the uninitiated, but it's something like a cross between marching band and medieval torture. It is thrilling to watch these brass and percussion players and a color guard unit work together. One need not be a lifelong band geek as I am to enjoy a DCI show. It's absolutely amazing. But all that beauty and precision does not come free of charge. In his first summer, after a 95 degree Atlanta day, Bennett sent a message home about 11 p.m. They had just finished one of their first rehearsals of that summer, four hours outside before lunch, four hours inside before supper. Four more hours outside, before the director told the players to meet him up on the road above the the practice field, we're going to run a 5K to end today's rehearsal. Three and a half miles, ready, go. Now, they didn't run a 5K after every rehearsal, but they kept that 12-hour schedule seven days a week for five weeks. And then they hit the road, and they traveled to more than 30 venues across 17 states, but they only traveled from midnight to 6 a.m. on what must have been insufferably smelly tour buses. They traveled from midnight to 6 a.m. because if they had a performance one night, they needed to practice for five hours before the performance. If they didn't have a performance that night, it was back to the 12 hour a day routine. Amy and I spent a week during those summers traveling with the volunteer crew and during one rehearsal, we got to see how the sausage is made. Now, I played sports in school, and I watched both of my sons play, and no athletic practice I have ever seen compares to the physical discipline required of a DCI rehearsal Time and, uh, um, time and again, they would run eight bars of music and the movement, and they would stop and stand, in, stand at attention in the 95-degree heat. They would wait for some instruction, and they would do it again, and again, and again. At one point, they stopped on the director's whistle. He moved a few members, you know, six inches that way and six inches that way. And then he pointed to the third trumpet player on the right side, and he said, you... Your horn needs to be 10 degrees higher, now do it again. One trumpet, 10 degrees out of line. Sounds insignificant, but when you are looking for perfection, 10 degrees stands out like a sore thumb. A few degrees can make all the difference. Today we begin the Advent season the season of the church year in which we wait and anticipate the coming of Christ. According to the church calendar, Advent 1 is the Sunday of hope. Next Sunday is the Sunday of peace. But our theme for this year's Advent worship is a season for peace. So we're going to be thinking about peace every week. Given the way that 2020 has unfolded, Dan has already reminded us, maybe spending the whole season thinking about what peace means and how we might achieve it will be an appropriate way to bring this year to a close. We've said it too many times, but with a 100-year pandemic ravaging lives and jobs, families and churches, a changing climate, creating record-setting wildfires and countless storms across the land, a racial reckoning shamelessly overdue, a reckoning that has sadly unleashed violence and hatred in our streets yet again, and a leadership that has fostered bitter division and destructive discord rather than calling on the angels of our better natures. With all that, we need peace, don't we? Can't you feel it in the air? We need peace. The tension in the air, not just on the airwaves, is so choking, is so thick, it is choking the breath out of the nation. Historians and military scholars, cultural critics and theologians are all taking note of the shaking of the foundations of democracy right before our eyes. And of even more concern to people of faith should be the loss of decency and civility, honor, and the integrity of truth, which we seem to have buried a few years ago. Now, if you have never felt solidarity with our ancient religious ancestors, never heard our own story in the scriptures that tell their story, crises of faith and socioeconomics, Military blunders and failed political leadership, the dangerous marriage of religious and secular powers, we would call that church and state. Let me invite you to listen anew this season. As Jesus often said to his disciples, the one who have ears, let them hear. Of course, we all have ears, but can we really hear? what's going on, Scripture is speaking to us today. And let us have the humility and the honesty to admit that though we live in a completely different world than our Jewish ancestors, the things that really matter in this world have not changed. Whether we live with artificial intelligence and space travel or far on the other side of the scientific And industrial revolutions, the questions that trouble the world never change. Who am I? Can I care for my family today? Is there promise for my children tomorrow? Who is my neighbor? And can we all live in this world together? Who is God? Where is God? Is God? The questions never change. It doesn't matter if you live in a mansion with computerized climate control or a thatched hut with a dirt floor. The issues that matter are the same. It makes no difference if you have to swear the oath to Caesar or pledge your allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, The real troubles of this world never change. It doesn't matter if you have a PhD or cannot sign your name. Physical and emotional, intellectual and spiritual storms threaten all of us. And it does not matter how you name the divine, Yahweh or Vishnu, Allah or Great Spirit. My friend, Dr. John Ballinger, says there is a universal human condition, there is a loneliness inside that keeps us reaching a need, a want that we live to satisfy. In every age, in every place, across national borders and socioeconomic divides, educational strata, and religious identities, when human beings need peace, they reach beyond. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. God, help us when we get to the place as individuals and as a nation that we believe we need no forgiveness, that we need no help, that we need no one and no thing beyond our own resources. Now to be sure, Jewish and Christian faith place high regard for human beings. The creation narrative does say we are created in the image of God. This is a bold, daring, empowering affirmation. When we cower in insecurity, when we feel we cannot face the challenge ahead, we need to remember we are created in a divine image. We can do hard things. Yes. Scripture and faith affirm that human beings do have amazing, almost limitless, almost limitless potential, which is just another way of saying we are limited, finite, needful creatures. So, strong as we are, imaginative and resourceful, there come those times, and we may be in one right now. It may just be that we can't, literally cannot get out of this mess we are in without a little help from above. It was the arrogance of human pride that has brought us to this brink of disaster. It was the delusion of human self-sufficiency. It was our reliance on human systems of governance and economics, philosophies and religions in all their almost limitless possibility that has brought us to this moment of honest need. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine. That we may be saved. Albert Einstein, who was neither simple minded in his religious views nor hopelessly godless, once said that no problem can be solved at the same level of thinking that created it. That applies to matters of the spirit as well as to the fears of a nuclear society. Maybe human problems always need God and their solution. God? Bill Wilson, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, and from that program, a host of 12-step strategies, Bill W., as his friends know him, wrote into the 12 steps the need to identify a higher power. Find your higher power, Bill W. said, whether God By whatever name, whether the group, whether the spirit of nature that calls out to you from your favorite spot on the mountain or in the garden, find your higher power. Because Bill W. learned what many millions who have also defeated their demons have learned, that sometimes we just cannot go it alone. We need to stop and reassess, and honestly call beyond. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. In her powerfully helpful book called, Help, Thanks, Wow! The Three Essential Prayers, Anne Lamott, that irreverent and unorthodox atheist-turned-evangelical whose journey has helped so many, Anne Lamott says, Most good, honest prayers remind me that I am not in charge, that I cannot fix anything, and that I open myself to being helped by something, some force, some friends, some something. Praying help means that we ask that something give us the courage to stop in our tracks. We stop the toxic peering, looking at ourselves, condemning ourselves, feeling bad about ourselves. We stop the toxic peering and instead turn our eyes to something else, to our feet on the sidewalk, to the middle distance, to the hills whence our help comes someplace else anything else maybe this shift is only eight degrees but it can be a miracle i don't know who god is for you i don't know who god is but i believe god is I believe there is a source, a real help in time of trouble. The paradox of the human predicament, which is why faith exists to begin with, the paradox of the human predicament is that we have to learn the letting go of mustering strength. The letting go of mustering strength, the courage, the almost limitless possibility of human potential in order to let God be our strength. Whether you need to turn eight degrees or 180 degrees, may you find the strength today and may our nation begin to experience the miracle that only God can bring when we truly recognize our need for peace. Restore us, O God, Let your face shine that we may be saved. May it be so. Amen.